Well, good morning. How are you today? Good, good. I like that answer. It is a great day to be here at First Baptist Church. Last week, we uh, affirmed a number of new deacons and that thought and also seeing a number of deacons collect the offering. Um, uh, many of them greeted. I just wanted to say thank you publicly for, for our deacons here at this church. Would you show your appreciation for their service? I refer to them as the shadow force. Now you will, many people in the community, if you visit the church, you'll know my name, you'll know who I am, you'll know Troy, you'll know a number of other people. But deacons, they are in the shadows, serving constantly. And it's not just them. There is an army of volunteers that makes a Sunday morning happen here at the church. And I am so appreciative of them. The top of which, the heroes, have to be kids ministry workers. Am I right? Are they not the best? They're the very, very best. So I appreciate them and I hope that you do as well. If you have your Bible, turn to Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11, if you are watching online, we are so appreciative that you are joining with us. We hope that you can make plans to be here. If you're watching online or you're sneaking on your Facebook right now, go ahead and share out the link um, to our group. It's okay, I know you're on Facebook. Um, but go ahead and share out the link to our service and then turn it off, all right? Go to your, your Bible app there. Let's see if we can get, um, I don't know, a hundred shares today. Y'all share that service out 100 times. About five years ago, I had the opportunity. God called me, um, to pastor a church in central Arkansas in a little town called Conway. And at that time, it was a very, very tough decision. We were living in Northeast Dallas County. We love, um, DFW. We love Texas. In fact, there were two opportunities. There were two churches that I was interviewing with, that I was talking to, that we were going through the process. One was there in central Arkansas, Second Baptist Church in Conway. And the other one was uh, in, in For, uh, um, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. How many of you have ever been to Fort Lauderdale, Florida? All right. How many of you have ever been to central Arkansas? All right. It was a tough decision. Um, I know in most people's minds are the same. And so it was very tough for me to decide. And one day, one day, um, I've clearly felt God saying, God calling, God leading in my life, that his plan for my life and my family's life was to pack up from Dallas, Texas, and to move to Conway, Arkansas. And I remember at the time just not understanding it. I still don't understand that that is what he wanted me to do. When we made that decision, I, I spoke with Jackie. I said, I just don't know what I'm going to say. She said, what do you, what do you mean? What are you going to say? How am I going to tell my friends? That's what I thought. Other preachers. How am I going to tell my friends that I am leaving Dallas, Texas, shunning Fort Lauderdale for central Arkansas? How am I going to do that? She said, you just say that's God's will. And it was. I am thankful that he led me to that church. I'm very thankful that he led me back to Dallas, Texas. That is where my heart is. Have you ever been put into a situation in which you felt that God was leading you into a scenario that you just were not sure about? Let me see, let me see who's in the room here. How many of you grew up or, or, or started your life in Texas, moved away and came back? Let me see the hands. Look at that. There's no place like home. There's no place like that. So there are scenarios in your life in which God truly leads you to something and you're scared of that. It's out of your comfort zone, right? You get into a conversation with a coworker, a new friend, uh, the, the cashier at a store, and you feel, you know, that God is telling you, why don't you invite this person to 
your church? Why don't you tell them about the goodness of Jesus in your life? And you, you want to, you just, you just feel unsure about it, right? Has that ever happened to anybody? You're looking at your budget and you know, scripturally, you are support, you are to support sacrificially the mission and ministry of Jesus Christ financially through your local church. You know that. You know that as fact, but you're just not sure maybe how to do that. You've never done that before, or you're not sure about that step of faith. You feel God leaning on your heart to volunteer in your church, in the next-gen ministries, whether that's uh, the nursery, kids' ministry, student ministry, or as an usher, etc. You feel God leaning on your heart, but then you start to get nervous. What if those little guys don't like me, you know? What if I don't, what if I, what if I do something wrong? What if I break one of them? That sort of thing. You feel nervous about following God's leadership in your life. This happens to all of us. You might see a homeless individual at an intersection. You have a few dollars there, but you're just not sure. Should I give this? Should I not? You've heard things on this side. You've heard things on that side. You're just not sure. We've all been in those scenarios in which God has led you in a direction, but you begin to resist that change or resist that prompting. I don't know, maybe God has uh, brought to your church a new pastor and besides the Longhorn thing, he seems all right. And you want to follow your pastor, but you're just not sure, right? This happens, this happens to all of us. Let me go ahead and say this out loud. Knowing that God is leading doesn't always mean that you are not nervous or apprehensive about the move. I'm going to say that again, because that's the sort of thing you need to write down or or memorize. Knowing that God is leading does not always mean you are not nervous or apprehensive about the move. And that is okay. In fact, many times, very often, where God is leading you will lead you through anxiety and nerves and a little bit of apprehension. In fact, I believe that that is one of the signs that that is, that is likely what God is telling you to do. If you're apprehensive about it. I would venture to say that many of us don't know or we are outright ignoring the direction of God in our lives. It's not that, it's not that we're ignoring it. It's just that we don't know. We've either assumed it or we've never asked. Here's the reality. If you really think about it, most of us, make it all the way through high school and college and into our adult lives and our careers without ever stopping to consider, is this what God created me to do? We think about earning potential. We think about interest. We think about things that our parents did. But we rarely ever stop to think and say, is this what God created me to do? Before we go into this story today, we're going to look at a story in which God led Let me ask you one question. I want you to honestly answer this question in your hearts and in your minds today. Nobody raise your hand, but just in your hearts and in your minds, if you're watching online, where you are, think about this question. If I were to show you what God wants you to do, if I were to show you that God was leading you to do something, would you do it? If I could do that, would you do it? Let's pray together and then we'll look at Genesis 11. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the songs that we sang together, the voices lifted up to you. Thank you for the diversity of the group that is gathered together and how that diversity is used for your glory. God, I pray as we gather together, we would be encouraged, bandaged, challenged, and then scattered. I pray, God, that we would follow your leading, that we would go out. We would leave this place 
Not just because it's the end of the hour, not just because that's what we do, but because we are sent out on mission. It's in Jesus' name that we pray together as one family. Amen. So Genesis chapter 11, here's a little bit of background. We will spend the morning looking at this chapter. It's the Babel story. That's what you might want to call it, the Tower of Babel story. But before we go, let me remind you of a few things. In Genesis 1 and 2, God created all things. He spoke them into existence and they were. He said that these are good and that is very good, humanity. And he commissioned, he sent out humanity. He told them to go into all of the world, to fill the earth, to subdue it and to reign. As his representatives into the world. He sent them out. He wanted us to go out and fill up the earth with his design, his purpose, and his authority. In Genesis 9, verse 1, right after the flood, the great flood, God told them again, be fruitful. Listen, this is what he says again, 9-1. You know the flood story, but right after that, God tells them again, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. You have to scatter to fill the earth. God's plan has always been for his people to represent him in his design, his purpose, and his authority throughout the entire face of the globe to spread out. He told them twice. This is the point of those stories. He said, go. That's what God told humanity to do. So now we come to Genesis chapter 11. Let's read it together. I'm going to read it here on this text. I hope that you have a Bible. As uh, Katie mentioned earlier, if you don't have one, you can grab one of those in the seat back. I want you to have that. And there's some in the back there. The whole earth, the whole earth had the same language and vocabulary. That's good because I can't even understand my teen sons right now. (laughs) Two, as people migrated from the east, they found a valley in the land of Shinar and they settled there. And they said to each other, come, let us make oven fired bricks. Side note, they used bricks for stone and asphalt for mortar. Verse 4, and they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the sky. Let's make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered. Otherwise, we will be scattered. And we don't want to do that. Go throughout all of the earth. And then the Lord came down to look over the city and the tower that the humans were building. And the Lord said, If they have begun to do this as one people, all having the same language, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let's go down there and confuse their language so that they will not understand one another's speech. So from there, the Lord scattered them throughout the earth and they stopped building the city. Therefore, it is called Babylon. For there, the Lord confused the language of the whole earth. And from there, the Lord, what? scattered them throughout the earth. So this, this story is largely straightforward. It's pretty interesting uh, to understand the layers that are under there. This is the last of the initial stories that sets the stage for Abraham. We're going to start, um, we're going to finish this three-part series. Next week, we'll start a series called The Fathers. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. These stories, the first 11 chapters, really set the, st- uh, the stage for those stories that will follow. It is, if you will, prehistory. And all of them are thematically connected. In these few verses, you see themes that you've already seen. If you're reading through your Bible, Genesis 1, 2, 3, 4, if you're reading through your Bible, you're going to notice or understand or see themes that are common in the text. He says already, earth and heaven. That's a normal thing that he says, not only in 1 and 2, it's also in 11. God using the divine we. In chapter 2, he says, let us make... In chapter 11, he says, let us go down. 
You see the phrase, all the earth, repeated over and over and over. And the attempts of humanity to gain power from God. These stories should be understood thematically. One of the main points, one of the emphasis is that in this story, God came down. God came down. That's a point of emphasis to the story. And, and I'll pray it to you. How many of you have ever heard of the idea of a, what we call a chiastic structure? Let me see your hands. So a few. I'm going to show you what it means. Here's a slide. You don't have to be able to read this. And in fact, I don't suppose you will be able to read this. We have a picture of what this structure looks like. Okay. So in chapter 9, 1 through 11, if you were to break down the chapter, it looks like this. The whole earth. I'll just read some of you too. So the whole earth had the same language. That's in verse 1. In verse 9, the language of the whole world. You see, there's, there's um, repeated phrases. And they make a sandwich, okay? So the bread and then the lettuce or whatever, it's a repeated. And the middle, the middle emphasis is going to be the Lord came down there in verse 5. So um, that is what we call a chiastic structure. It will show you. That's why when a preacher stands up and says, this is the point of this text, then we're not just guessing, all right? The, the, the way that the Hebrews wrote stories was to put the emphasis there in the middle. They do this all the time in the Psalms. You can see repeated things. It'll be A, A prime, B, B prime, C, C prime point, all right? That's what's going on in this text. And so one of the major emphasis of this is that the Lord came down. Before this point... Humanity was building. They were making bricks and mortar. They were making a tower, a name for themselves. After this point, God was scattering, breaking it up, sending them out. It's also ironic that in his feeble attempt to reach the heavens, God steps down to see. You see the irony there? They're going to reach the heavens. And God says, isn't that cute? Uh, A couple or about a month or so ago, um, we were... We were touring Liberty Christian Academy, where our school, where my wife teaches and the boys are going to school. We were just kind of seeing that, um, uh, the way things are. And I have always thought, my whole life, I have thought that I am an average guy. As far as dudes go, as far as men go, I'm average height, you know, I'm average build, just an average person. I, I feel that way. I am thankful. I'm a little on the shorter side, but that's why I'm thankful that I get a three foot platform every time I'm doing I've met people before and they're like, you're a lot shorter than I thought. And I was like, because you're always sitting and I'm always on a three-foot platform, you know. And so I felt like I'm average. I'm an average person. That's how I felt. And there's benefits to that. I fit in all the cars and all that kind of stuff. I can always find my pant size. There's benefits to that. As we were touring Liberty, we met the strengths and conditioning coach. That guy is above average, okay. Biggest man I've ever seen in my life. It's huge. And he's built, he's strong, really nice kind of guy. He's really tall guy. And in that moment, I did not feel average, okay? I felt like uh, very small, itty bitty, right? I felt just tiny, just big man. And then we looked him up later. We Googled him, right? Because you can do that. Found out that he um, played at some university out west. And then he, um, he did strength and conditioning at the University of Texas, Hook'em Horns. And so he did all of this, right? He did this stuff. And my thought was, in college football, you've, you've maybe never heard of him, right? I had never heard of him. In college football, he is average. He's just a normal-sized college football player, right? At that top division right there, all right? I'm not taking anything away from him, I, especially if he sees this. I certainly wouldn't want an unexpected visit um, from that guy, all right? Unannounced, all right? So I'm not taking anything away from him. He is a big dude. 
And he is average within his level, making me way, way less than average. And I had always thought I was just par. That's similar to what's going on in the story. As they got together and they thought to themselves, we will make a name for ourselves. And God says, that's cute. Let's go down there and see what they're doing. The kids aren't making any noise. Let's go down there and see, you know. That's what happened in heaven. They're like, are they being quiet? Let's go see. Ah, they're building a tower. Humanity is driven to make a name for itself, to work for their own glory. And that is still the case. We are all driven in various degrees of this. You all know people who live their whole lives uh, to win football or fantasy football championships. Maybe they uh, want to, maybe you're the kind of person that would give your right leg to be employee of the month. You don't win anything. You just get, get your name. It's not like you did something cool like eating at 50 barbecue places for a Yeti cooler, but you would still give your right leg for that. Maybe you just want to be the top score on some game on your phone. Or you want something bigger like CEO or fame or the nicest yard on your street. We all have this wiring within us to make a name for ourselves. You don't really win anything for being nicest yard on the street. You just want to be known as the nicest yard on the street. And listen, there's nothing wrong with those accomplishments. There's nothing wrong with those pursuits. It's why you pursue those things. Because as we talked about a minute ago, we were not made to glorify our own name. We were made to glorify God's name, to obey him, to represent him, to make much of Jesus. That's why we were made. That's why we were established. And so while those pursuits are good, they are good in that we use whatever platform or strength or notoriety we have to make much of Jesus. The graveyard is filled with people who you've never heard of that lived their entire lives to make great names for themselves. The graveyard is filled with people who spent all the way up to their last breath to be famous and you have never heard of them. God corrects their wayward mission by confusing their language, by using diversification and it's a beautiful strategy. One of the things that we need to recall within our minds, one of the things we need to constantly remind ourselves is that difference, diversification is a good thing. It is God's created way. It is God's plans, God's design that there would be difference. And praise God that there is difference within people and humanity, within nature and trees and animals. That it's not all just the same. All the same is bad. If you look around and it's all just the same, that's not good. Difference is good. And it is by God's design that he did this. So God came down. He came down to what? In this verse, he came down to what? scatter that's the point you can see it they wanted to avoid it they said we need to do this we need to get together we need to make sure that we're together why so we don't scatter in chapter 2 god told them to scatter in chapter 9 god told them to scatter and then at the end in 8 and 9 god said we're going to scatter them we're going to send them out this is the purpose and it was for their good it was for the good of humanity but we seem to be anti-scattering They were robbing themselves by not doing what they should. This is the big idea of the story. God intended humanity to scatter and to represent him. When they didn't, he used diversity and difference to make it happen. So, what if God has always intended us, you and me, what if he has always intended us to be moving outward as individuals and as a collective community? I honestly believe that if you read the Bible, this is the impression that you're going to get. 
That God intends for us to be moving. God came down to scatter them in our text here. And again, when Jesus, he came down, he came to the earth and he scattered his disciples. Right before he left, he said, what? Go. It's almost like we as humans hate to disperse. We just don't naturally do it, but we were made to do it. There's a few reasons I feel that it is likely true that God intended you to go. That God has intended you to scatter. But before I do that, before I share them with you, I would like for you to grab a piece of paper or maybe open a note on your phone there. We're going we're gonna to do a little activity here together. So if you've got something, you can maybe run it in your mind. It's just going to be three things. So you don't have to write it down, but it would be good if you did write it down. Here are three things that I believe speak to in your life that I believe speak to you going. The first one is passion. Talents and passion. So don't write anything down yet. I'll tell you in a minute what to write down. I mean, I guess you could write passion if you want. God has gifted you in a particular way and you love it. There are just things that you're, these are affirmed in others. Now you all have giftings. Are you all, Jackie and I were watching Dateline the other day and they were talking about this girl and she liked to sing. And they asked the friends, was she any good at it? And the friend literally says on TV, she thought she was. Uh, That poor girl is gone. And the friend, and I said, I looked over at Jackie and said, I appreciate his honesty, you know. We all have seen people on American Idol that have no business singing on national TV. They had nobody that loved them in their lives that said, this isn't a good idea. You should not do this. Someone should have told them that it is not a good idea. This isn't your thing. So what I'm trying to get at is we all have things we like, we're passionate about. We all have things that we're good at. Where are the ones that you're actually passionate about the things that you're good at that people have told you you're good about that thing? All right. I'm not telling you to ignore the other things. I'm just saying, what are those things? So I can talk good. All right. I put words together. Others can sing like angels and we tend to focus on those, but maybe it's organization. That's a good gift. Empathy is a great gift. So is the ability to listen well. Not everyone can listen well. I would be in favor of making American idols out of people who can listen well. Now, some of you, uh, some of the things that you are good at, you're not passionate about, like I said, like, for instance, I like to sing. I'll walk around singing all the time, but it's not the thing that gets me up in the morning. But helping to organize a local established Baptist church, man, sign me up for that. That's what I want to do. All right. So you, you write that down. So write that down next to passions. What is the thing that you're good at that somebody else has told you you're good at that you're passionate about? You should have one, maybe two. Some people have three or four. If you have 10, then humility is not one of the 10. All right. All right. Just one or two. The second thing, not only are you sent with a specific skill or passion, You are sent out of specific pains. Pain. You've been hurt before. You've been disappointed in a tragic way, betrayed and left. Sometimes you've been hurt by people who were trying to do evil things. Like an abusive situation. Or they were trying to malign you or hurt you in some way just because they're mean. But sometimes you've been hurt because the world is broken. There's nobody that tried to do that to you. You just have caught the raw end of the deal. You had a loved one contract an illness or a disease and that hurts. Watching them die in that way hurts and it still hurts. You went through a divorce and those are painful. You were in an automobile accident maybe. 
I'll tell you the truth, the, the church, the collective group of Christians here has experienced pain. Losing a, an executive pastor the way that you guys did. Some of you haven't really truly grieved that yet. It's there, it hurts. It's a pain that's still stuck with you. It's, it's carrying on with you. Look, we can recognize that. We can notice that. The events that happened around uh, the first pastor search committee on both sides of that equation, Obviously, I'm not, I'm not trying to ascribe blame or guilt or happiness or guilt or, or innocence. I'm not in that. I'm just saying there is clearly, through the conversations I'm having, a scar. Right? Or am, am I allowed to say that? Or do we agree there's a scar there? Right? We've experienced pain. We collect those. And look, I'm with you. I've got scars. I've got pain from churches and church hurt, that sort of stuff. The experiences around COVID were painful for many of us. It, it disrupted the way that we understand things. It disrupted churches. The events around the political season, the last two presidential elections, they caused pain within churches. This church lost people that some of you deeply love. Those relationships are disconnected now. And as a side note, let me just say this. We're going to go into a new election season in just a couple of months we are not going to fight about that stuff. We are one church. We are unified. And if you feel very passionate about either side of that, God bless you. I love you. You should feel passionate about that. But you should feel more passionately about love and unity for your church. So we stay unified on that. Sort. But we all have that. We all have these pains. You can write those down. The pain is unfortunate. And I am telling you, I am absolutely, truly sorry that you as a church, you as an individual, have felt these things. If no one has publicly said before to you, I am telling you, it ain't fair, it's not right, and I am sorry that you felt that. It's, it just, I mean, it just sucks. I know I'm not supposed to say that word in church, but there's just not a better word for it. So I'm sorry for that. So you can write that down. And if you're under 18, you're not allowed to repeat that word. (laughs) So you should look out from those pains, learn from them, discover in it what God has told you, what he is revealing to you. I would like you to explore that and maybe write that down. Maybe you don't want to write that down right now. That deep pain. Where's that deep pain? Where's that thing that you're learning from? Where's the thing that you learned from? You experience this that very few other people experienced in that way. You have your passions. You have your pain. You are leading with your passions. You are going with your passions from your pain in a position. That's the third one. We are sent from pain with passion to a place or a position. There are things that I can help with that I have the ability to do. Josh, uh, Josh King, I, I have organizational ability, systems and structures. I think of, uh, of organizations on a large scale, leading people, those sort of things. I can help in those situations. However, there are positions that I don't have. There are seats that I am not in. All right? So like uh, the Texas legislature. I can't, I, I mean, I could help, but nobody asked me. All right? So... It ain't none of my business, all right? I'll just vote and then I will carry on. We all have passions. We all have pain, but we have very specific positions. And it's okay. We're not talking about the seat that you wish you were in. We're talking about the seats that you are in. 
Sometimes we have skill sets and stories that we think would help, but we're not in that place and that's okay. So you might want to be the pastor or the mom or the dad or the boss or the team captain or the class president, maybe the manager, but you ain't and that's okay. All right. You might be one day and I hope you are, but today where you are in which seat do you sit? What is your positions? Write those down. So if you think about these things in three circles, my passions, my skills that other people have confirmed, my pain, my past, these perspectives that only I have overlapped with the positions that I hold. Where they align is what a preacher friend of mine over in Saxe at North Place Church, he calls your sweet spot. That's your sweet spot. That's where God is telling you to go. That's what he's telling you to do. See, we are all meant to scatter. We're just not meant to scatter randomly. In fact, we are sent to scatter on a purpose. That sweet spot will help you find your purpose where you begin to help people that are battling with a certain disease or illness because you have experienced that with your parents and and you happen to be at a church that has the facilities and, and you have a certain passion for that. And so you lead out in that way. That is your sweet spot that only you can fulfill. You do the work. You find that out. Ask yourself those questions. Personally, just to kind of show you how this works, I am gifted to lead and to talk. All right. Those are the things that God has given me to do. I have experienced deep pain rooted in being left alone or feeling isolated. That sort of abandonment, that sort of isolation with the leadership and the talking. I am the pastor of a local Baptist church. When I put those three things together, it makes a very particular kind of pastor. And I'm happy to do that. I'm happy to be in that spot. You got to ask yourself, where do those things line up? That's where God is sending you. Some of you may discover when you're looking at those things, you may feel this um, Holy Spirit prodding you to where you are maybe called to what's, what we call vocational ministry. Which means that you are going to um, uh, get paid to do church work, right? It's your job. That's what you do. Churches used to, every week it was like, do you want to get saved? Do you want to join the church? Do you want to go into ministry? We kind of got away from that, all right? And I want to revive that and tell you that God is calling you to use your skills, use your set. Men and women, preachers and singers and accountants and, and organizers and, and administrative assistants, all this, God is using that. He's leading you to pursue that calling. And so you have passion, you have pain, you have a position, or maybe you don't have that yet because you need to be prepped. So today I've invited a representative from Truett Seminary. It's a seminary that we support here as a church. It's one of the largest in the United States. It's a strong seminary. It's located there in Waco, historic and strong institution. And uh, so there's a representative out there and I want you to stop by and get some information from that representative. Maybe not for you, maybe for someone else. Maybe it is something that you're thinking about. Maybe you just want to take a class or two. They've got programs where you don't have to go down there, but you want to explore, you want to be prepared for what God is leading you to do. So I want you to try that out as a church. That's you. All right. So everybody understand we're shifting in our brains. You wrote that down. You're going to work through that, maybe vocational ministry, but as a church, as a big collective group of people, it is undeniable. God is sending us out. He is compelling us to go. 
You remember when Jesus establishes the church, he says something to the effect, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, right? My whole life, I thought that that was sort of a a defensive maneuver, right? I I don't know why. I just read it as this idea that anytime Satan tries to attack us, anytime that Satan comes at us, anytime the devil and evil, they come at us, they will not be able to get us because it's because the gates of hell cannot get us. It's not defensive. It's offensive. What Jesus is intending in that situation is not that we would collect and build gates around us and if Satan tries to get us, he won't be able to get us. He intends for us to attack hell. He sent us to go. And he says, and you're going to win. They can bar the door. They can lock the gates. They can put soldiers on the, on the walls. But the church will win. For so long we act like we're afraid of that. For so long the church has retreated, barred the doors, locked the things, and been happy within. And God, from the moment Jesus establishes the church, he says, go get them. Take that hill. Attack it. That's what Jesus did. That's what he intends us to do. And then when Jesus is commissioning his disciples, the church, to go into all the world, his exact words were, go. Go. I can almost hear Jesus being frustrated with us by this point. It's like, how many times I mean, like I did this, this thing with Babel? I did this thing with the gates of hell. It was pretty cool. And I said, go. And it's like we're just sitting there looking at him going, amen. That's a good one, Jesus. And I think he just looks at you and says, go. Go. You are supposed to be scattered. You are supposed to live your life on mission. My role here as a pastor is to simplify and direct our church in a mission that is uniquely First Baptist Church Louisville. We have so many resources. We have a location and we are built in a certain way. We have a story and a history. And this means we may not pick up and adopt your calling. So when you have your little circles all lined up there, that may be your thing, but it may not be the church's hold. We may not adopt all of those, but that's fine. We're supposed to be running in parallel. And the mission of the church is going to be much more simple, much more, much more focused than a lot of people would assume. We're going to do that so that we can run in parallel with one another. It's a collective emphasis. The bottom line through this is that we gather to scatter. All of us as individuals and as a collective family gather to scatter. Every Sunday we come together, we gather to scatter. One of the things that I love about people is when we nerd out over things. Everybody tries to be cool, but we're all a bunch of nerds, all right? Especially if they're not cool. You probably know some folks that are nerding out over pickleball right now. I know who you are. Anyway, they love it, right? You know you're not cool, but you don't care. I saw two adult men Tuesday morning at Marty B's coffee shop playing one of those nerd card fantasy games. They took one of the booths and they were playing the nerd card fantasy game. They even explained it to the barista like it was cool. And you could tell on her face, like, this is not cool, all right? (laughs) But I love that they did not care. What a bunch of nerds, right? They just enjoy, that's their game. How cool is that? We're all weird. We're all nerds. We all do these things. Only children believe that any of us are actually cool. 
All of this, it's within reason, of course, right? If you're spending the kids' college funds on Pokemon cards, then you need to slow your roll. But nerding out on things is cool. It is cool. I am telling you, embrace the awkward. When I was in junior college, my friends and I nerded out on the game Capture the Flag. Like real bad. We loved it. We played every chance we got. Standing teams. We, we drafted teams and that was your team. We did tournaments. We drew maps of our college campus that looked like Middle Earth. When we outgrew that, we included the neighboring cemetery and then we branched out throughout the city. We played all at night and we scouted the terrain during the day. We skipped class so we could make plans about capture the flag. We demanded loyalty on our teams and we expected you to sacrifice physically if you needed to. This was not a game. This was a mission. We spent far more time planning, prepping, and talking about capture the flag than ever did playing it. We had so many strategies and one of the key strategies was to spread out. We knew and it was proven if you clumped together, you lost the game. In fact, when we would play noobs, we would capture them easily because they were too afraid to walk through the war zones, especially in the dark. You could see them all clumped together. They would walk together and then they would say things like, I think these other guys are taking this really seriously. (laughs) We were like, I see one. I said the target. Of course we're taking it seriously. It's capture the flag. They would also huddle around their flag and have conversations. We knew where the flag was because that's where they were standing. The game is called, is not called protect the flag. It's not called talk about the flag. It's not stand by the flag. It is capture the flag. They didn't spread out. They did not scatter. They did not advance. They lost. Sadly, this is what the church does. We get our nice bases and our churches and we build towers for ourselves that reach up into the sky. And we sit in those places in safety and we argue about strategy and rules and policies and plans. And we gather together and all of that is fine to some degree. But we don't prevail against the gates of hell and we aren't even offending them. One-on-one, person by person, go And where you go, tell people about Jesus. I tell you what, you do that this next week and then we'll gather back here next Sunday and celebrate Jesus. We will celebrate the wins in your lives. We will encourage each other. We will bandage the wounds and we will support each other and then we will scatter again. That's the plan. Gather to scatter. Let's pray together. God, thank you for this morning and thank you for this time. God, I pray that you would bless our efforts, bless our faith. God, let us see that our passions and pain and position were given to us on purpose by you to make a difference in the lives of others. May we see that as our unique individual mission. So God, move in our hearts now and where you are moving. I want to encourage, I pray that we would follow. As we answered at the beginning of the hour, or at the beginning of the talk. If it's in the text, if it's in the Bible, we will do it. You told us to go. So God, today, we're going to scatter. It's in Jesus' name we pray together. Amen. Y'all stand with us. We'll give you a couple moments to respond. This is a moment of response. We have a couple of staff down here. I'm going to call. I'm going to ask just off the cuff. If you're a Sunday school teacher, maybe a 
a, a couple that's leading a Sunday school class, if you'd come down. Go ahead and come down and receive people if they want prayer. If you want to pray with somebody, find anybody that is facing you. We'd be happy to pray with you. We would love to open this up now for you to make a decision. Maybe you want to follow Jesus as your savior today. Maybe you do want to join the church. I don't know. If you are not the kind of person that wants to walk down an aisle and talk, that's fine too. Just email us on the back of that piece of paper you got. We'll set up a time where we can talk to you later. You move now as Holy Spirit guides you to move. As they sing, you move.